Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. If you would get your Bibles, open them up to the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 5. Gospel according to Luke chapter 5. To set a little bit of a stage of what this would have kind of been like, if you could imagine the disciples, or we refer to them more as the apostles, the 12 apostles. Apostles different than a disciple. A disciple is someone who is a follower of Jesus, and by follower, meaning a learner of Jesus. Not somebody necessarily that walked in his footsteps, but somebody who takes on his passions and takes on his teachings and then uh, uh, takes those teachings out into the world. An apostle is a little bit different. In order for somebody to qualify to be an apostle, they had to be physically called by Jesus Christ, and they had to be physically taught by Jesus Christ. And some people actually say, well, the apostle Paul claimed to be an apostle, and he wasn't physically taught by Jesus. And my answer to that would be, are you sure? The book of Galatians speaks that there was three and a half years that the apostle Paul went away, went away to Arabia. What was he doing there? over the exact same amount of time that Jesus would have been teaching the apostles, the exact same amount of time, three and a half years, the, the, Paul goes to Arabia. What do you think he was doing in Arabia? He was being taught by Jesus in Arabia. Nobody questions his apostleship. You'll hear now, individuals will actually say that, apostle, that an apostle is actually a modern day thing. It is not. It would require Jesus to physically come back to this earth, to physically point to somebody and say, you come follow me, and then for him to teach them, that's what it would require for them to be an apostle. So, anybody who trusts in Jesus is is a disciple, even an apostle. Not everybody who trusts in Jesus is an apostle. You can be both a disciple and an apostle. Should be both. The 12 should be both uh, disciples and apostles. We're disciples. Okay? When God called, or when Jesus Christ called the apostles, it would have been a normal day. The fishermen would have been fishing. They would have gotten out of bed that day at the same time, gone to work with no expectation of, of life being any different than it was any of the other days of their life that they went fishing. Jesus woke up on that day, on the other hand, knowing that that was a day that he was going to choose the individuals who are going to be instrumental in the establishment of the New Testament church. In this establishment, as he's establishing it, Jesus plucks these people out of all of these individuals who are going on with their normal lives. The first thing I want to point out, um, how many of you guys were... How many of you guys drove down Interstate 55 during the flood of 93? Remember the flood of 93? When the river was, Merrimack River was completely out of its banks and it would take you literally hours just to cross the Merrimack River on Interstate 55. And it got to the point where they have cops that are pulling along the side of the road and they're waving. And one of them actually pulled me over one day and he goes, he goes, uh, uh, what are you slowing down for? And I just looked at him and said, I waited my turn. I didn't get upset at anybody else. They was going by looking and taking their turn. 
I didn't stop. I just slowed down. What's everybody looking at? I'm going to slow down. Look what everybody's looking at. Is it against the law? Going on with our normal day, interesting things make us stop. Interesting things make us stop. We'll make ourselves late for something that's interesting enough. This particular, particular day, Jesus being who it was, who he was, speaking the word of God in public, and individuals are stopping their days to hear what it is that Jesus Christ is saying. And I want you to start reading with me the Gospel according to Luke chapter 5, start with verse 1. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land, and he sat down and began to teach the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. Before we go any further, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about Peter. Peter's the man that we have the pleasure, instead of us watching Peter's life like it's a 18... Uh, episode series and that there may even be seasons to it looking at peter as a man who showed up at work that day just like any other day and it was a flip of the coin just like any other day whether they would have taken any fish or not it's interesting that jesus had crowds so thick that they were pressing in around them and then it points out the two boats but what it points out interesting about these two boats is what were the fishermen doing that belonged to the two boats pressing in around Jesus with the rest of the crowd they were washing their nets they weren't easily distracted they didn't know who Jesus was as far as they knew this was just somebody who needed a little bit of a nudge out into the into the water sure he talked a lot about God that's why the people were pressing in around him right but the guy just wants to be pushed out of land so he can talk why not he talks, says all that he has to say, and then he says, go out in the deep water, put your nets out. They go, but we just fished all night long and didn't get nothing. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of time to what? Follow Jesus' instructions? That's a universal truth as far as human beings are concerned, isn't it? Again, Peter, just like us, I think he's the closest apostle to who we are as human beings because as well-intentioned as we may be, we always seem to stick our foot in our mouth. And that was who Peter was. But Peter was a man who had no idea who this Jesus was. He knew that he spoke of God, but he had no idea who he was. But did you see Peter's reaction 
when the net filled up to the point of it breaking, now I want you to get this. It's not just, do you know how much force it takes to break one of these fishing nets? A lot of weight. Do you think they go out with the intention and the nets that they need to be able to catch 30 fish at a time? Or do you think they build their nets small enough for them to handle, but big enough for them to take the biggest load that they could possibly handle? That's what fishermen do. One boat, the net starts to break, so he signals over to the other one, hey, come help! So they come over and they help, and they take the fish out of this net, divide them up between two boats, and both boats are sinking from the weight of the fish that was pulled out of that one drag. What dawned on Peter? Peter knows who this is. He doesn't know the total depth and width and height of who this is. But Peter knows that fish don't listen to people. That you can go one day and catch a boatload and go the next day and catch nothing, but there is never anybody who comes along right after you fished with two boats all night long catching nothing who says, hey, put your boat back out. Go back out to the deep water. Where you just fished all night and caught nothing and put your nets out. And that sounded crazy to Peter. That's why he responded the way that he did. We fished all night and caught nothing. You just go out there throwing nets out again? Yep. And there's a point to that too, folks. Just because what you do may not in and of itself accomplish something doesn't mean that God can't accomplish it with or without us. You think he needs us? He doesn't need us. Does he want us? He does want us. He doesn't want us as those individuals who make church just one of those notches through the week. Make Jesus the priority between whatever time you go to church and whatever time you leave. Thank him for the salvation that he brought you by leaving church and living life just like it was last week. Most of us are individuals who are drowning in our own lives because we believe that the hardest we try is the best that we can do. And the truth is, the hardest that you try, it is the tip of the iceberg with what God can do. we have become individuals who are desensitized to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And people, even Christians, they think you're crazy if you talk to God all the time. Because we have created a relationship with God from the perspective of human limitation. If Peter knew that Jesus was the second person of the Trinity, if he knew that Jesus was the Messiah, and Jesus 
then said, put out to the deep water and drop your nets. What do you think Peter would have done? So here's my question. Just like I would ask Peter, is the Jesus that you serve the same Jesus that is real? Or is the Jesus that we serve the Jesus that actually serves us? Made this point a few times, I'll make it again. When's the last time you prayed to God without asking for something? And if all we ever do is ask him, do we serve him or does he serve us? Because he asks us a lot too, amen? You ever read them 27 books that fall into the New Testament? 66 of them total. The truth is we're all Peters. Until we see Jesus for who he is, we're not going to be that interested in following his instructions. And when he asks us to do things that we've done a thousand times before, are we going to approach it in such a way as to say, yeah, I'd like to see what God can do with this. Or I've done it a thousand times before and it's always turned out the same way. Because that was Peter. Put out to the deep water. I just fished there all night. And there were no fish there. You're just wasting time at this point. But if he knew he was Jesus, he wouldn't have questioned it. He wouldn't have raised it. His voice wouldn't have come out at all. He would have pulled the anchor and took off to deep water if he would have known it was Jesus. So the question is this. Who is Jesus to you? Is he a Jesus that's built on the limited understanding? Or is he the Jesus who is really Jesus, the second person of the Trinity? Do we serve him as if he is a comrade? Or as God? He calls us his friend. Are we his? Well, the relationship kind of emulates that, right? But make no mistake, he is our Lord. And what's the word Lord mean? Boss. Master. That's what, the, that's what it means, folks. He is our Lord. So when he asks us to pitch our, t- to pitch our nets into the deep water, should we go, but I just did that and it didn't work. And I can honestly hear Jesus throughout parts of my life saying to me, do you not know who I am? Joe Biden's the president. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Because we all know that he's more powerful than God. It doesn't matter who's in that seat. God is, he's the one that has a hold of the controls. We lose battles, folks. That's how we get hurt. Because we're fallen and we make dumb choices sometimes. But he's faithful. He doesn't make the mistakes. He doesn't make the dumb choices. He paid the price for ours. 
He knows how capable we are of being dumb people. He knows how capable we are. This morning in Sunday school class, we talked about Peter being the one who spoke the correct response to Jesus when he had asked, who do they think that I am? And they all started responding, Elijah. The prophets. Then he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter was not the rock. Catholic Church made uh, Peter the first pope. Got news for you. Jesus is the first and last pope. Okay? I hate calling him that, but I mean, in context, facts are facts. He is God's representative on earth. He is the one who is perfect and without sin. He's the only one that qualifies. If we ever figure out how to see Jesus for who he is and then apply all of the scripture that's spoken through that source, it'll literally change the people that we are. Not force change, desired change. Things that you can physically look at and say, this will definitely make my life better. You've made those choices before, right? Just as well as we've made the ones that go, that we wish that we could have said, this will definitely make my life hell on earth. We know how rough some things are going to be. We make bad choices. But we also have the capability of being able to see, see around us how God has the ability to influence the world in the positive. And if God asks us to do something that seems impossible, don't question who he is. Is he capable? Yes, he's capable. He's capable. The interesting thing is, Jesus didn't spend a whole lot of personal time with the people who were pressing on him. You ever met anybody who was too excited? And by too excited, I mean too righteous. I think you know what I mean, right? By the two righteous? The ones who walk around and brag about how many people they told about Jesus that week. The righteous, but man, they're good at it, right? Just ask them, I'll tell you. An individual on that end of the spectrum, they don't know who Jesus is either. So we have two, two, two ends of the spectrum. We have the individuals who are a part of what Jesus has going on just because of the fringe benefits. Those are the ones who are pressing on Jesus. Those are the same ones that in Luke chapter 14, he addresses about the crowd of people who followed him out of the, out of the meal. And he had to stop and turn and say to them, and he said difficult things to them that thinned the crowd because Jesus didn't want individuals to come to him and trust in him or say they trusted in him and not being willing to pay the price that it was going to cost to do so. And just like I said this morning, we don't know what that cost is. 
But should it matter? Because if I say, Lord, here I am, use me for whatever you will, do I, do I then get to back out when he exposes what he wants to use me for? I mean, is this, is this believer's choice? Get to decide what to listen to, what not listen to? At what point does God tell you something that you're just, at that point, just going to go, nope, ain't going to do it? Because we don't say that, but metaphorically, how many times do we do it in our lives? How many times in your life has God told you to go do something, but because we were either too sensitive or too scared that we go, uh-uh, no. A passage of scripture that we did in the Sunday school class this morning, and, and it's an interesting passage. He told Peter, right after Peter answered that question, he said, you have been given the keys to death in Hades. Who, whatever you bind in, on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And to me, for the longest time in my relationship, that was an extremely confusing. How could Peter be given the keys to heaven how could he be given the keys to death in hades how could a human being especially peter the choices he made the truth is you have them too the keys to heaven and hell the keys are you are the christ the son of the living god the rock on which he will build his church. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You're the promised one. You're the one in the plan that brings about salvation to the lost. You're the one who brought about the result of the Holy Spirit indwelling me. You're about doing everything that you can to make sure that the lost people out there get to reap the exact same benefits that I have as a believer in Jesus Christ. And God tells us, and I believe all of this is associated because you remember what, what, uh, what Jesus said when he was telling fishermen to follow him? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Here's the deal. He's talking about sharing the gospel, right? So when Jesus says, go cast your net over there, it could be the local place that you hang out once a week. It could be the guys that you're around all the time. And he says, go cast your net over there. And go, Lord, I've been fishing over there all night. And he says, go cast your net. And instead of pulling in enough fish to sink a boat, you're pulling in enough people to think about because metaphorically you're fishers of men I'm meeting with somebody new somebody I'd never met with before younger person talked for two and a half hours and we didn't leave angry younger people who are unchurched typically don't give me an ear for more than about five or ten minutes and they tend to want to leave because we are just so far apart generationally and culturally I used to believe that there was no relating 
There was no relating to someone who's three or four generations separated from me. I mean, look where we're at. 200-something genders now. There are two. Let's not confuse it. And anytime I get in a conversation with a young person, it always comes up. It always comes up. You guys believe homosexuality's wrong. You think that they should all be hung. Well, that's a little far. I think it's wrong. But they all just think that we hate them. The church a long time ago stopped fishing in homosexual circles. Long time ago. It stopped fishing in the darkest corners of East St. Louis. Stop fishing in Hillsboro. It's that bad. We are at a point now in this country where more churches are closing their doors than there are starting. Tell me where that leads in about 10, 15 years. It's going to be hard for the church to exist. And it's going to get harder. And it's going to mean more than taking an all-night job at Walmart. And I'm not talking about my income. I'm talking about that's just the type of circumstance you deal with at church. The church can grow. It can. But which of the two you think is going to grow faster in this world? The ones that teach the truth or the ones that are willing to bend it? It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to keep a church that loves and speaks the truth afloat. Because the people who don't love the truth are going to continue to multiply and they're going to continue to outnumber. And I've read the end of the book. It continues to go on the downward slide until the day that Jesus comes back and gets us all. And it gets pretty doggone hard, folks, before that. And if someone was to ask me, do you think the big C church is ready for that? The answer to the answer to that question, hands down, without any thought whatsoever, is absolutely not. Are there parts of it that are ready? Absolutely. Do I think that a majority of it's ready for that? Absolutely not. What gives me the authority to say that? I run in pretty big church circles. People aren't willing to sacrifice. They aren't willing to give up what they want. People's opinions are grounded. It's because we think that everything that we know is important. And every one of those things that we know, those are the blocks in our lives that prevent us from taking the steps that we're supposed to. For whatever reason. Cowardice, busyness, doesn't matter. In all of the things in the world that God has, that he wants done, what do you think that he wants done more? His purpose and his plan? Or our to-do list that hangs on the refrigerator at home? I'm not saying we don't take responsibility. Of course we do. But we also listen to the voice of God. And when he tells us to be obedient, we desire to do nothing more and nothing less than to be obedient. Because it is a relationship. And that's what he's calling Peter into. And Peter is realizing the God of heaven has just spoken to me, given me a command, and look at the result. Let me ask you something. How many times do you think they had to fill those nets for them to not question Jesus when he told them to go drop the nets? You think it took four or five times to catch on? 
Or does Jesus usually make such a big impact the first time that it's pretty noticeable? It's pretty noticeable. Matter of fact, I would probably go so far as to go back the next day and drop the net in the same place to see if it was still there. This is the God we serve. Because the truth is, you want to go home with your boat empty? He'll let you do that. He'll absolutely let you do that. You want to fish all night? You want to work as hard as you want to and go home with an empty boat? He will let you do that. The shame is if we just listen. If we just listen to where he said, go out to the deep water, drop your net. Are you living a life representative of an empty boat? I can guarantee you why. Because at some point along the way, Jesus told you to go out to the deep water and cast your net. And your response to him was, but I've fished there all night and I've caught nothing. And if I was to look today, there's an awful lot of people who are believers in Jesus Christ who are riding around in boats that are empty. Just look at them. We have the peace that passes all understanding. So why do we have more people in anxiety medicine than we've ever had before? The Apostle Paul said that if I'm beside myself, it's for God. If I'm of sound mind, it's for you. In other words, we're already crazy. if we don't ever draw the conclusion and understanding who the source is then we'll live, less, we'll live the rest of our lives with an empty boat and the empty boat means no happiness no nourishment no peace no strength no eternity no life it's out of reach here's the good news you chose it at least you got to do what you wanted to right How many of us are in here made bad choices in life? How many of us thought that those bad choices turned out so well that the instant after we did it, we turned around and said, I think I'll do that again. Every one of us are that type of person. And until the day that we hear Jesus' voice and him say, do you want your nets overflowing to the point of bursting, to the point that you have to call your parent boat over to help you haul it in? Do you want your boat so full that it will sink? All you got to do is listen to Jesus. That's all you got to do is listen to Jesus. Be okay with it. Whatever he's doing, be okay with it. Consider it an honor because you've been asked to be that. Somebody said, what if God says that you're to break down this wall? I'm like, I just hope he makes me a hard enough metal. In other words, could God call you to be beat up against a wall? Yes, he could. Do you think you can be happy apart from that? Do you think not being beat against a wall makes a person happy? 
You see, in Jesus, we're happy whether we're beating us to the wall or not. And this is why Jesus is first. This is why when he called us, he called us to be people, not to say, but I've already tried it there. Because his response now is, yeah, but now I get put into the equation. And I'm here to tell you, folks, when Jesus gets put into the equation, you can expect a very different result than you had gotten the first time around. This young person, conversations. At the end of the two and a half hour talk, they said this to me. I don't hate you at all. And I thought, well, I'm glad that you don't hate me at all. And everything that this person had been told, once I had the opportunity to explain it, said, I want that. And she sat right in that pew and she gave her life to Jesus. Life's hard. And we all do the best we can to try to encourage and strengthen one another and hopefully we get better at it as we go along. But the fact is, much of this it's way simpler than we ever make it out to be. Just listen to Jesus. Just listen to him. And the things that are in red, the things that you can read, things you don't have to verbally say to you, you can read. Come to me. Come to me. You who are weak and heavy laden. I'll provide rest for your souls. Promise worth listening to? Sounds like it's worth giving it a shot. When this young person found out that Jesus wasn't who they thought that he was, and that a 51-year-old preacher who trusts in Jesus isn't who they thought that he was, and they saw that the heart of an individual who trusts in Jesus is love, doesn't soften the edges. We talked about it all. We talked about the gender thing. We talked about homosexuality. We talked about the biggest cultural event things amongst young people these days. And I'm here to tell you, when she sat and listened to me explain the church's position on homosexuality, she was absolutely floored. Because she had been told so much by everybody else. I want you to know that these cultures not knowing who Jesus is, we don't accept all the responsibility for that. But how many people do you think that Jesus has said across the board with these young individuals, how many people do you think Jesus has said, hey, I want you to go over there and involve yourself in that ministry. And the individuals say, nope, been there, done that. Didn't turn out very well, not doing it again. Too many. So then we sit around and we all scratch our heads and wonder how kids sit around in a circle and figure out on their own that there's over 200 genders. So you tell me, just how much of, a, of, of an effect does faithlessness and disobedience have on the culture of people that are out there that we're dealing with? 
And how hypocritical is that? The church doesn't tell anybody out there about who Jesus is, but we certainly expect them to act like him, don't we? And if they don't act like him, what do we do? We complain, right? We talk about them. Because you know those laws that are being passed in Washington, that's politicians, right? Oh, politicians. Being played like a fiddle. Satan's got you convinced that you throwing your net in the deep water again is a waste of time. And I can promise you, Peter would have never seen who Jesus was had he not made that trip to the deep water and thrown that net. He would have never known. Just how much have we missed? By that I mean, how many blessings have we missed? Just because we weren't willing to row out to the deep water and throw out our nets. How many other people's blessings? Every time we weren't willing to row our boat out to the deep water and throw in the net. And I say this all the time. Kids, I mean, the truth is, it's everybody. You're important to his plan and his purpose. Does he have to have you to accomplish it? No, he doesn't. But he asked us to be a part of it. And that in and of itself is pretty amazing. This relationship has much to offer. Comes at a cost. But it has much to offer. We need to be people who can come to the conclusion that Peter did. And I can promise you that the only way that you come to that conclusion, and we come to that conclusion many times in our lifetime, I mean, honestly, how many times has God showed himself to us and, and it takes a very short amount of time for us to forget it until he shows himself to us again and reminds us? We're very forgetful individuals. But he's consistent. And he can't be unfaithful. And all that he's asking you to do, and I don't know what that is in your life. Honestly, there's probably a category for every person in here. But I can promise you that you have one. There's a category in your life where Jesus said, go on, throw your net out in the deep water. And you have spent your life, however, whatever amount of time, saying, no, just did that, tried it, didn't work out well, not doing it again. We all have them. Remember how I said all of us are sinners? You don't get to pretend you're not now. We're all sinners. This is what we all do. We do what we want to do. We make excuses for the things we don't want to do. And if those things we don't want to do are the things that make us uncomfortable, then that's the reason we don't want to do them. It may come at a cost. And it does. Either way. Is Jesus telling you to throw your net in the water? Is your boat empty? Are you going home hungry and empty-handed? Most people 
are hungry and empty-handed and don't even realize it because they don't know what the other side of that looks like. But today, during this invitation time, sing, but keep your heart and your mind open to Jesus and listen. And if there's any area of your life that you hear him say, go pitch the net over there. I know. This is a place you've pitched your net a lot of times and it's never turned out real good for you. Pitch it anyway. If you hear him say that to you, then you push every fear, every anxiety, every hindrance, you push it aside and you'll be obedient. Because I can promise you folks, the only way we make it through this is by continuing to trip, stumble, fall, run, and walk in the direction that God has us pointed. Where do we go from here? We all have a different answer because we all have a different path. But we all have the same Jesus. So I know he's telling us something. Come talk to me if you need to. Amen. Thank you, Brother Keith. And for those listening on the podcast, I want to offer that same opportunity to you to come to the Lord. If you've never placed your trust in Jesus, now is the time to do so. By default, we are all sinners separated from God, and there is nothing we can do on our own to fix that. That's why God sent His only Son, Jesus, to come live a life without sin. He was put to death on a cross as a perfect sacrifice for that sin. And to seal the deal, He came back from the dead three days later. If you truly believe that and ask Him into your heart, you will be saved. If you're already a believer, this is a great opportunity to recenter your life in Christ. Take these next few minutes in prayer, and I'll be praying for you as well.
Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link with preaching by Keith Barron. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.